Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week, as is usually the case, are my fantastic co-hosts, uh, Joe Perez and Liz Harper. And Liz, I'm going to throw this to you first because there's something going on for the site that I think you should probably get to talk about here. So if you don't mind, <laughs> it's the thing okay. where the writer's thing. Uh, yes, yes, I was I was kind of internalizing that, but I was like waiting to see if there was something else coming at the end of that sentence. Um, yes, we are bringing in some new writers. So if anyone out there is interested in joining the team, come be one of us. Once you are one of us, you cannot escape the Blizzard Watch family. You are one of us forever, for better or worse, as these two can certainly attest to. Um I've always been at war with Blizzard Watch, right? right. <laughs> but uh, we're we're looking to do a little staffing up. Dragonflight is around the corner. Diablo Four is around the corner. I'd like to do more coverage of WoW Classic and Diablo Two that are just hard to get to because we've got a staff and everyone has lives and demands on their time, and it's it's hard to do everything. So we're looking for a couple people who can help us. Still probably not do everything, but do a little bit more of everything. So if you are interested, head over to the site and you will find the hiring post. I'm going to keep it up at the top of the site. So uh, go up, tune in, send us a message on Twitter, and I'll make sure you have the link and the information you need. Do it. Join us. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, as Liz pointed out, um, I've been doing this for a while now. So, yeah, I can attest to everything she just said. Uh, I think at this point, I'm going to move on to something that I keep forgetting to do in the email. Uh, for some reason, Hearthstone news, there's Hearthstone news every week. Every week, I just completely don't mention it in the email. And Liz has to, you know, chase after me and go, wait, what about Hearthstone? So this time, we're going to get Hearthstone done before anything else. The uh, new Battlegrounds uh patch is, has gone live as we're recording this it's already gone live today right yeah it is okay so what should people who have not played in a while know about this patch um basically we've gotten a big shakeup in battlegrounds blizzard has started doing battleground seasons which uh, actually feel like they're aiming for something a lot like uh diablo 3 seasons where they add a new mechanic each season that really shakes it up and makes gameplay feel different. Uh, this season, the mechanic is quests. After a few turns, you get a quest uh, while you're playing Battlegrounds to maybe you play some Naga, or maybe you summon a bunch of minions. Maybe you buy or sell a bunch of minions, and then something specific happens. And what I like about this is it's a mechanic that actually affects gameplay. It's not something where you just click a button and ignore it. And uh, you know, Matt, playing Diablo three seasons, it's like some season themes hit that better than others. Some are kind of ignorable and some really change things. This feels like something that adds a lot to the game and it will be around for the duration of the season. But um, probably bigger than this is there is a new season pass specifically for Battlegrounds. It costs $14 and um, I don't know, it feels kind of weird. There are new missions in Battlegrounds that will help you progress through this season pass. There are a few free rewards and there are a lot more paid rewards if you pay $15. Um, it, it just feels a little weird to me right now because there is still the uh, season pass in the larger game and you're still progressing through that by doing activities and quests outside of Battlegrounds. Um, and the, that rewards track has a lot of battlegrounds rewards as well. So this feels like, it feels like this weird, awkward add-on where you're getting battlegrounds rewards on this rewards track that's specific to battlegrounds. And then you get more battlegrounds rewards on this other reward track that's outside of battlegrounds. And it just, it feels weird. And okay. then of course, the, the change that affects everyone is that there are now no cash purchases in Hearthstone. Everything is bought with a new currency called runestones, which you buy with cash, and then you use runestones to buy things in the game. And uh, do you like buying things? We made runestones so you could buy <laughs> runestones and then buy things with runestones. Yeah, yeah, I I hate it. I call I that just, the riot method. Um, yeah. it, it actually I, feels very much like like Fortnite too. I went and looked up the Fortnite stuff, and it's not too different. 
Yeah, it's a lot of games do this, and a lot of games do this to avoid regulation about paying for loot boxes and gambling restrictions based on loot boxes. Uh, so, yes, it's something that complicates everything, and it's usually just kind of a legal workaround for the company. Uh, Blizzard has said one of the reasons they've done this is that it makes smaller purchases more practical. and. I could see that might be the case if you have a purchase for like a dollar, the credit card fees on that will eat up a lot of your profits. Um, and they have put in a few smaller transactions. Like it used to be if you wanted to buy cosmetic Battlegrounds heroes, you would buy a big bundle of them that would cost like $30 and maybe you only wanted one. And uh, now they actually have some available individually for like a couple of dollars each. Which is actually kind of cool. Uh, I think they've made the best implementation of this they could have. Uh, like, the cost in runestones for things or are the same as the cash price you would pay, you would have paid previously. And, um, like, you don't get a discount for buying a million runestones as opposed to buying a hundred runestones. Runestones cost the same amount of money no matter how many you buy, so you're never tempted to spend way more money than you need to spend. Oh, so it's not the um, Immortal Orbs from Diablo Immortal, gotcha. No, and and a lot of games do that. They try to tempt you to spend more than you mean to spend. Oh, oh and- I know. I play Ubisoft <laughs> games. <laughs> but uh, I don't like the system, but I think it's probably the fairest implementation of this sort of system that I've seen. So, yeah. Can you I zero like out your balance of runes? Yes, they have specifically... Um, Okay. Like so they, it's not Microsoft they, points. Yeah, or, or Riot points like specific- or V-Bucks or... <laughs> Sorry. They're specifically... <laughs> they're specifically selling runes in bundles that match the price of things you might want to buy, which is a crazy foreign concept. But like I said, I think this is the best implementation of the system. I Yeah, I probably still have some Microsoft points on my account because you could never spend all of them. Yeah, I they mean, were I always... think they just straight up got rid of them, but yeah, if when they did that, I had them. <laughs> they converted it over they, to, yeah. like, balance at one point because they got rid of them, but mm-hmm. yeah, just, like, Valor points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, yeah, everything cost weird, weird amounts, and you could only buy so many, but in Hearthstone, everything... Like I said, I think it's the best implementation of such a system that I've seen, and I still don't like the system. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of it just because like I wrote I, a whole post about how yeah. I don't like currency in games. So you <laughs> but, know. but here's here's the here's the thing that kills me. Right, we talk about the per transaction fee. The average transaction fee for a business that makes like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in transactions uh, in the United States, you're getting two point eight percent transaction fee. That gets lower the more volume you do. These game companies do a hell of a lot more volume than that. Let me tell you. So I'm fairly confident they're at the 1% mark, if not low. So like, let's just get rid of the, the stupid currency, please. Just just disclose your gambling rates. It's fine. Magic the Gathering has to do it on booster packs. You should have to do it on your loot boxes. Let's just be done with it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. But at least that's, you know, that's what's going on in Hearthstone this week. Uh <laughs> Go ahead. Let me let me point out that for people who might be concerned, because I've talked a lot about purchases just now, Battlegrounds is still free to play. You can jump in and play and even earn rewards on the new reward track without paying a dime. Uh, the game has not changed, just there are more things you can buy. All right. Uh, speaking of games changing, though, uh, Wrath Classics pre-patch is out right now. Again, as as, as we're recording, I think it... I, I couldn't tell if it was dropping today or dropped yesterday, but it, it should be out this now. afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that means that if you're playing on WoW Classic, if you're playing on a on a server that is a Burning Crusades Classic server at the moment, uh, all those servers are going to convert to Wrath Classic when that comes out. And right now they've all converted to the pre-patch, which means that you your level seventy you know, warrior in in BC Classic can now use Titan's Grip. And nothing else. That's the only thing that happened. It's the only important <laughs> thing. I don't know what else you would want me. No, I'm kidding. Basically, all the stuff that leads into the Wrath talents and the Wrath stuff, that's all available now. You can you can start getting used to some of those talents. You can't level to 80. I'm pretty sure you can you can play a Death Knight, though. 
Yeah, you can. Uh, you can. So, uh, you can roll a Death Knight e- if you even if you do not have a level fifty five character on a server, which has been the prerequisite in the past and was originally. You can make a Death Knight, which starts at level fifty five. You can do that once, and then and then that's it. You have to yeah. have your level fifty five character, and you can't do it on the Fresh Start realms. But if you wanted to jump into Classic, maybe you want to play a Death Knight. Yeah, and you can level them up till 70, which means you could go do mm-hmm. the various BC content. Uh, you could go on a raid group. You could theoretically get the uh, Warglaves of Azanoth, because I saw I definitely do that back in the day. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's that's what they that's out right now. That's done. Uh, also, one of the interesting things that I saw Liz had left in, in pending, so I went and checked it out and ended up writing a post about it, was that they're talking about um, basically level squishing trial of the crusader and icc um so that old war would stay relevant longer and the thinking is that the problem old war had in in live when it when it first came out was that it it was only there for like three months before trial of the crusader showed up and that meant that old war didn't get a lot of people were just skipped right over it like you could get gear about as good as 10 man old war by running the the um trial of the crusaders you know accompanying dungeon like the gear that dropped in there was was just as good, uh, and the gear from Trial of the Crusader was actually significantly better. Like ten man normal uh, Trial of the Crusader, the weapons were the same as Olduar, uh, two thirty two, as same as uh, twenty five man Olduar, but obviously they were available to ten man groups, and you could run ten man normal, ten man heroic, uh, twenty five man normal, and twenty five player heroic, and that's like three different gear levels because the 10 man normal and 10 man heroic. It's the same gear from, from 10 player heroic as it is 25 player heroic. I mean, 25 player normal. And then there's another gear level for 25 player heroic. It was three different gear item gear levels. So people would run that thing into the ground. I think they've already said they're not allowing that. Uh, I'm pretty sure if not in the post, I just read uh, another post. They said, we're, we're not going to let people run four trial of crusaders a, a week. That's just that's just too much. Uh, we're not doing. And it that. also then it's not that it authentic experience. No, just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> it also wasn't fun when you were in there and you had to run this dungeon, this raid over and yeah. over every week. That was not fun. And Trial of the Crusader, not my favorite raid, not by a long shot. I mean, I, I like was that so it didn't excited. Have trash. Yeah, but in the end, that turned well, out yeah. to be bad. Like the trash is actually necessary, not only for trash loot, but also to teach you what's coming. Like mm, trash true. is great for showing you the mechanics oh, you're gonna have to deal with. But the weird thing about for me for Trial of the Crusader was I remember when we were doing it, we were doing it heavy. Like as soon as as soon as it dropped, we like we just left Aldewar. And we hadn't finished uh Yog Zero yet, and we hadn't finished uh Algalon yet. And in fact, nobody on our server had done Algalon. And we just all abandoned it. Like everybody just said, eh, and we just, we jumped over to trial thinking, oh yeah, no trash is going to be great. And I remember since I had a death knight and a warrior who both geared the tank, I didn't end up running it like three or even four times a a week. I ran it like six times a week because we'd split up into groups and I'd have to tank for both of them. Like for both 10 man groups that were running trial of the crusader, I'd have to tank for both. Yeah. I had to tank. I had to heal because we didn't have enough healers. Yeah. So. I would go in on my warrior and tank it the first time. And then like the next day when they were other group was doing it, I'd get on my death knight and tank it then. And it was like, Oh my God, I'm never, I'm never not in this raid. Uh, it was, it was not fun. That that was the only raid tier that, that pushed me to the point where I actually agreed to switch my character's race just to get a slate advantage because we were trying so hard to push through it. And it was a vacation when we went back to Alduar and got uh Yog zero and Algalon. That was like it was like nice because that's all we did that week. We just we just ran Olduar like once instead of running Trial of the Crusader four times. I was like, ah, oh, this is bliss. So I I, <laughs> I agree that there should be something done to keep Olduar um, relevant longer, but I don't think you can just extend the time until Trial comes out because let's face it, they're going to clear Olduar in a day. Yeah. 100 you know, percent. it's gonna it's not gonna be long algalon will be down in like two days uh maybe they'll get yog zero by day three but it's not gonna take very long 
And then what? Do you just keep people in Ulduar for six months? I mean, the thing was, when Ulduar was initially released, Trial of the Crusader was really hot on its heels. Like, Yeah, it was it three was, months. Yeah, literally just yeah. three months. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, the intent here is to give Ulduar some breathing room and, and just uh, not immediately throwing out Trial of the Crusader and making that an upgrade over everything ever. So all you're going to do is run Trial of the Crusader endlessly. Yeah, and that's... In my opinion, that is absolutely a good move. But I think that the item squish is the way they're going to do it. Um, I, I think they're not going to worry about spacing out the raids the way they were spaced out before. Um, uh, but I also don't think they're going to be putting... Uh, they're not going to put Alduar out and then put it the next raid, Trial of Crusader, out six months later. That's not going to happen. Um, in general, phases seem to take between three to five months at the at the outmost. I've, I'm looking at what they did in uh, Burning Crusade Classic and what they did in, in when they did the Seasons of Mastery for Wrath Classic. I don't know. I don't think that they will launch Wrath Classic with, like, it won't be a Season of Mastery speed experience. Uh, no, no, Because no, that's no. a year. That's like a year. And they're not going to do that. But I do think they're going to basically just say, Everything comes out around the same amount of time. Everyone gets like like four or five months, maybe at the outmost. But by making Trial of Crusader gear not an immediate jump forward, like for everybody, you'll make it so Alduar is more attractive in comparison. You won't necessarily want to abandon Alduar and just run Trial. You'll you'll now be like, okay, we could, you know, because if you look at the way the Faded Dungeons are working, the Faded Raids, I mean, now you have a reason to run every raid. And that's clearly a philosophy that Blizzard is kind of embracing going forward. They want this idea that, you know, content will remain attractive. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do it, if they do the eye level squish for both trial and ICC, both to get, to keep old around longer and also to kind of smooth out the weirdness of ICC. Uh, do you guys remember like all the people stacking tons of armor pen? Yeah. And just the DPS was nuts and you couldn't really keep aggro on them or keep them alive because the, you know, the rogue would just pull threat on, on putrid and die. So, yeah. But what do you guys think? Um, I mean, I think the problem with the idea that they're going to rush, like do content faster than originally is they're also going to want to stretch this out and have wrath last for a while. One of the things, one of the things we don't know is what is WoW Classic going to do after Wrath of the Lich King? Because this was the last expansion with that kind of classic mindset. This was the last expansion before they remade the world in Cataclysm. So, I mean, there, I've heard a lot of questions. Is, is there going to be a Cataclysm Classic? And I don't know. We don't know. We have no idea. So Blizzard has to make this content last in some way or another. Yeah, and I find myself wondering if they're going to keep they they've got the season of mastery idea, and I find myself wondering if that's going to be one of the ways they try and extend it, especially since you see them doing seasons in in Diablo Four, and we talked last week about how those are going to work. Um, but in the end, maybe just going for like a nice long three year period and and slowing down all the raids, you know, when they come out, maybe that's the way to go. I, I seem to recall when I was in the original Wrath, when I was actually playing Wrath of the Lich King, we didn't get Nax until like two weeks after launch. Am, am I insane? Or was it out faster than that? Or am I, you know, I, I don't mm, remember. I don't think so. I think you're, I think you're right is what I mean. Okay. So maybe they'll just do that. Maybe they'll just make everything come out like slower than, and put other stuff out in between raids. I mean, if you do the phases in such a way, you can you could have the you know raid content drops at this point. Uh, then you know new some PvP things or another. That was the other thing they were talking about was that they didn't want to just push, I they didn't want to just push a trial back and just make it take longer because that means that the PvP season will take long as well. But they also don't want the PvP season coming out during Alduar's like period of relevancy because if it does, then the the PvP weapons are going to be BIS. And that's true. I mean, I remember going into trial and the PVP weapons were BIS. I remember one of the, one of the Paladin tanks, he'd already gotten his off spec full of PVP gear and it did crazy damage. It was very strong. So I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle it, but I think the item squish is not the worst idea that they're, that they're floating. 
I think it's not a bad idea either. I think it would make a lot of sense. Uh, just it's maybe a combination of I don't want to say retuning, but item, item squish with some of the other tools that maybe they floated around a combination there and can make a happy medium. But I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what the end result will be. I'm always curious to see what they settle on for that. Uh, okay, Liz, um, anything else? They have not announced the schedule for phases yet, so it really could be anything. And in the past, they have not like pre-announced the schedule for phases. It's just, you know, they'll announce when the next phase is coming before it comes. And, you know, it's kind of a mystery as to how they'll schedule things. All that we know is that Wrath Classic will launch on September 26th, the full Northrend experience. And uh, phase one, which in contains Nexramus, Obsidian Sanctum, Eye of Eternity, and Vault of Archivon will start on October 6th. So that is, what, two weeks later? Kind of like like it did the first time around. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. They haven't been doing that. So we'll find out. But that is something I think is interesting. They don't. They have not said what they are planning to do. They've even said, we don't know what we're going to do yet. We're, <laughs> we're, we're floating ideas. So uh, I should mention... The uh, priest talents for the uh, the Dragonflight Alpha, they, they've not, there's no no word yet on if there's going to be a Dragonflight Alpha build this week. In fact, they've, they have said nothing, I believe. Uh, am I incorrect, Liz? Um, there's not going to be a build today is all I know for sure. Yeah, but right now the priest talents got an overhaul, but since the Alpha hasn't changed yet, they're just on the forums. Uh, but you can go look at them. Uh, nobody in this group plays a priest. Uh, so yeah, um, I can't comment on them. And the only I, priest, I played the only, a priest. Sorry, go ahead. I played a, I played a priest alt in vanilla, but I don't think that, uh, experience is going to serve me well in evaluating these. I know Mitch like, seemed pretty excited I mean, about them. I have a priest like literally sitting 10 feet behind me, but I don't think they've seen the, uh, <laughs> the new talents yet. So I just, I, I like the idea of, you know, I played a priest in vanilla and, Wow, things have really changed. <laughs> this game I mean, is entirely different. Level seventy. All of that is true. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's not really. It's like I played, you know, I, I played a uh, a paladin back then, but I, I don't really feel like I could comment much on the holy tree as it is now. That's one of the things that that always throws me off. But but yeah, that's happening. So we, we at least mentioned it, so you guys know about it. Um, at this point, I'm gonna actually bring up uh, Gamescom. Which which ended yes. Sunday. Uh, I I there was a post in in the the you know to be written. I went and grabbed it because I was interested. Uh, basically, just you know what what did you see at Gamescom that that got your attention, that got your interest, that made you want to play it? Um, which one of you wants to go first? I mean, I'm gonna go with the obvious one, and I think you wrote okay, about this oh. too. Moonbreaker. It is as if somebody reached into my brain and said, these are things Joe likes. Let's go ahead and throw it into a video game format and shove it out there. And so far I am, I am here for it. Uh, yeah. Moonbreaker does sound like something really interesting to me. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's a tabletop strategy game where basically you paint your own virtual miniatures. Uh, and it's in the same vein as like, you know, war machine and hordes uh, or Warhammer 40 K age of Sigmar, that type of stuff. And it's got a very distinct style to it, and I am super here for it. Uh, Liz, did you notice Moonbreaker? I think you were the one that mentioned it to me, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think it looks really cool. And one of the things I always look for in gaming events is what things here look different from every other thing. Because when you have a game event and they're packing in, you know, 30 trailers in an hour, it's like, it's so much for your attention span. It's so hard to get your attention and for you to actually remember things. So it's always the things that stand out and look different. And yeah, this year Moonbreaker was the only thing that like seriously caught my eye in this barrage of trailers that we saw. Yeah, there, there were a lot of trailers. Um, so many. The thing for Moonbreaker for me is that one of the things that keeps me out of really ever getting into games like Warhammer or, or Hordes, and I, I've got all the books for, for Hordes and War Machine, but I've never played them because... There is an outlay. I mean, that you have to buy the minis, and then you have to buy the materials to paint the mini, and then you have to store the minis. And I, I don't, I don't have a lot of space, and I don't have a lot of money to to be doing this. A, a full on War Warhammer army can be quite expensive. Um, you're talking somebody with a significant Warhammer collection can have hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of stuff. 
I feel like I should comment, but I don't want to because I feel like I'm just going to call myself out. Yeah, basically. But with it, with Moon, with Moonbreaker being what it is, all that stuff will be in the computer. Yeah, I won't need to store it. I won't need to buy new paints. They're going to just be part of the the computer game, and one assumes that I there will be a mechanic to get you know your armies together. That isn't just going to be go buy a new one. I mean, maybe they will actually have stuff for sale. The game hasn't come out yet, so I can't. Four weeks. I mean, not in four weeks. Yeah. yeah. And the, 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 I think the current closed beta is not, it's not one that's currently open to people. Nope. You but you can on. write, you can go to the, I'm sorry. I've, I literally like went and go for it, all yeah. the things. You can actually go and request access or log your interest in uh, beta testing, early testing uh, over the next couple weeks because they are doing series of testing right now. Uh, but you do have to go to their Steam page, sign in with your Steam account, and register. Uh, basically, just tell them that you're interested. And if you get picked, you're, it'll just magically show up in your inbox. So, yeah, that's uh, not too different from how other games are doing it. I do think this is going to be an interesting approach. Because it's. I, I think I said in the post that you know Games Workshop has licensed 85 billion Warhammer games this, you know, Warhammer and Warhammer 40k games this this year. And not one of them is actually just playing Warcraft. I mean Warhammer, playing Warcraft. Ah. Did they do? That that's a slip because Warcraft is the one that did that. Um but yeah, I, I do think that it's really interesting. Uh, Liz, is there any besides uh, Moonbreaker, anything else stick out for you or was it pretty much just a sea of trailers? It was it was really a sea of trailers. I also have trouble getting excited for games with release dates that are like maybe in the future, maybe in 2023, maybe in 2024. It's just hard to get my enthusiasm up for this. That's why I was yeah. excited about Moonbreaker four weeks, four weeks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, one of the games that I got excited by, uh, I'm going to mention it. It's uh, Spiders. The guys who made Greedfall have oh, yeah. their. They have their version of a, of a Soulsborne coming out. Uh, 1789 or whatever it was. No, it's it's uh, called Steel Rising. Steel Rising, it's, yes. It's set in 1789. And I'm going to just explain. <laughs> I'll explain why this game grabbed my eye. Because I was watching the trailer and a robot guillotine belching smoke shows up to kill somebody. And then the, the voiceover guy is like, yes, you know, the king has gone mad. His auto, his automaton army has defeated the rebellion. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is a steampunk game set during the French Revolution. And it's an alternate history game where robots prevented the, the, the French Revolution. And now you're going to play a robot who's going to go kill King Louis because the, the revolution failed to do it. I'm like, oh, oh, if, if there's a dinosaur in this, I'm going to have an, uh, have an aneurysm. <laughs> Because this is basically everything I want. Um, and that's why, you know, that's one of the games that really jumped out at me. Spiders has done good work with what people often derisively call double A games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spiders has managed to make their games feel a lot bigger and more expansive than you'd expect for the the size of their team and the the level that they're on. And and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have done with Steel Rising. Uh, I just played I, I want to say Themesia or Timesia. I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce this game, uh, but I just got done playing that. That's another Double A Soulsborne. I didn't like it. it. It had a lot of interesting stuff, but I didn't like it. But this one actually has me excited. This is the first time I've been excited about a game like this in a long time. Um, there's sorry. Go I was ahead. Say there's one other one that caught my attention um, that is also in that same vein of. Souls-like, born-like, uh, you want to call it, that I'm kind of curious about is Lies of P, which is a Souls-like based uh, retelling Pinocchio of yeah. Pinocchio. Um, and I'm really interested in that because I, 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 I'm trying to think out of phrases. So a lot of the fairy tales, we all kind of know, it's all co- sort of knowledge that a lot of them were much, much darker, uh, you know, when they originally existed before Disney got their hands on it and sort of cleaned it up and made it more generally public uh, friendly for current cult for current consumption. Uh, I'm really, really interested to see how this one plays out because I like grim fairy tales. I like the idea of seeing the darker side of this, uh, this type of story. So I am super interested in it. And I think there's a 12 minute play video out there or something like that, that they released we st- and uh, to Liz's point, it's sometime in 2023. We don't know an exact date yet, um, but it's looking pretty interesting. 
Yeah, the last one I'm going to mention, unless Liz, do you have anything else that you just remember? I I really do not. Okay, I'm going to mention this one because it's a 2022 release. It's actually coming out in December of 2022, December 2nd. It's the Callisto Project. Yes. I'm sorry, the Callisto Protocol. Callisto Protocol. Callisto Protocol is not my usual thing because I've said, I've pointed out before, I don't do a lot of horror gaming. Uh, but this one is interesting to me because it is it's it's effectively a, a spiritual successor to Dead Space done by the original Dead Space developers. Mm-hmm. And it's also taking an effort to not just be a Dead Space clone. They're actually going back to the things that Dead Space was inspired by, like Resident Evil 4, and borrowing some of those ideas. So they're trying to make the game yeah. even more like another kind of game than it was. I also like the idea of the mutation system that they talked about too. Yeah. The, the, the mutation system is really trippy. Quite frankly, it, it looks like it's going to change the game up quite a bit. And inspired, like you said, by uh, resident evil, because there was a version of resident evil that released uh, the director's cut on the PlayStation one, very shortly after the first one released where there was a mode where you could actually have a variant of the zombies that would randomly occur in the game sort of like they would mutate on the spot, like the T-virus would mutate them and make them more deadly, or you'd have to have a specific way to deal with them. And like, I remember being like an abject terror when I first hit that as like a gamer trying to go through. It's like, oh, it's just a zombie on the stairs. Whatever. Not a big, why is it getting back up? Why is it red? Oh God, where's fire? Um, the Callisto protocol really looks like it's going to capture that same sort of like spontaneous terror is really the best way that I can put it. And I'm super here for it. Yeah, and one of the other things that's interesting is that Callisto Protocol is coming out, as I mentioned, in December. Mm-hmm. The the Dead Space remake is coming out in late January. Mm-hmm. So the game made by the new team, that is the game that this team made first, will be coming out after this. And then Resident Evil 4 is getting a remake, and that's coming out next year, too. Yeah. So this feels not because I'm not interested because I want those games. I'm interested because I think that's a fascinating idea to get to look at the development in reverse in a lot of ways. I I just find that really fascinating, but go ahead. I was going to say also, and I think this is interesting to me too, is the cycle, right? So Mm -hmm. like there always seems to be clusters of types of games that all seem to release in a a certain period of time or get started working on this in a similar period of time. And I always find that fascinating. Like we're having not just like this, there's a lot of other like, horror leaning games that we didn't talk about like killer clowns from outer space and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's quite um, a few actually. There's actually a ton and not even including the Warhammer ones that we've, we've talked about previously, but they're all coming out in a cluster, which means they all probably started development roughly around the same time within, within spitting distance of each other, uh, certainly. And it's always interesting to see that because it's like, are we going to have another horror game boon? And is this have to do with the recent success of resident evil? with uh, the village and, and the recent games that just came out yeah, and how well they, the Resi 8, yeah, yeah, they were, cause they were very well received games. They sold like gangbusters to the point where like, I think Capcom was surprised. Um, oh yeah. They, they actually even released the statements that to that effect. Yeah. So like, are we going to see a resurgence in horror games because of that, that success in the same way that we saw a surge in battle Royale games with the success of Fortnite and PUBG? Right. Like it's, it's, I always like watching those cycles. So I'm curious what we're going to get. Yeah. Or we, is it going to be like the metal gear survive thing where, you know, everybody tries to make we don't a survival talk about game that. And, and, we don't talk about and that. some of them do not work and are not good. Uh, but I think at this point uh, we're going to move on and actually get to do some emails for once. Woo! Which, you know, kind of a surprise. I, I, I do have one short mention before we get to emails, which oh. is that Diablo three season 27 launched on Friday. And I think we've talked about the systems to death, but if you're interested in getting into the season as it starts, it is now live. It'll be live for around three months usually, and uh, it seems pretty cool. That's all I got. If you're watching the stream, that's my character for Diablo 3 Season 27. I've been playing that character on and off a little bit. Um, Not as much as I usually do. Like I haven't jumped in and just powered to 70 already, but I have been playing that character and another character with my wife. I will tell you right now. Um, I have a lot of fun playing adventure mode when I level in a season now, instead of doing uh, the, the story mode. Cause I've seen the story mode. I know the story of Diablo three. I mean, you know, it's been out since 2012. I, I am, I am intimately familiar with what happens next. So I think doing adventure mode as a leveling thing, as is my advice to you, just, just do adventure mode. It's open from the start. 
your your first character can get in there. You don't have to do anything before it. You don't have to run the story mode first. You can just jump in and do it. And I recommend doing that because it's just a lot faster and more fun, uh, in my opinion. Uh, run some run some Nephilim rifts. Uh, do some bounties, and you'll be you'll be getting up in no time. But yeah, we're gonna move on now and talk about these various emails and other questions you guys sent in to us. If you've got a question for the show and this show, the Blizzard Watch show, not Lore Watch, not Tavern Watch, uh, please send it to <laughs> podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line uh, podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show because Joe and I have already covered that the thumb wrestling thing is not great. Uh, it just not. I just don't have the reach. Over. I can't. I can't do yeah. anything about it. Yeah, and uh, especially for Tavern Watch stuff. Uh, it's so tempting to, to hijack those questions, but I don't want to do that because we don't get to do Tavern Watch as much as I would like. So I want to leave those questions for Tavern Watch. So just make sure you tell us what show uh, your questions are for. Um, also, you can go to our Discord. We've got the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel for our patrons because, you know, you guys pay for the site and we'd be like you. I hope you creeped out. Uh, also... There's the uh, podcast Q and podcast questions channel, which is not for patrons, but we do look there as well. Um, yeah. So that's how you can get in touch with us to ask us questions. Um, every week I have a strange gimmick to try and get you guys to, to do this. <laughs> this week, I'm just going to ask which one of you would like to go. I talked a lot. I think Liz should go. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I will start at the beginning. I mean, hopefully this is the beginning question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. How do you feel about zone scaling in MMORPGs? From a dev standpoint, I would guess it's there to provide a barrier to bot farming and deter higher level players from just nuking the zone dry and preventing players appropriate for the content from being able to progress. But from a character viewpoint, it always feels like it lessens my character growth slash power in the game. I realize I could go to old dungeons instances and roll over things, but in the outside world, it just feels off to me. If I go to visit places I leveled, grew up in, I'd really like to see the huge difference in power reflected in the game. Just me? I don't see a name for this one, actually. I can go look that up. Um, hmm. I don't know. I feel like scaling has some advantages, really. Uh, that question was from Tetsimi. It, like that the tracks. advantage of the advantage of scaling is that it like it lets you decide where and what to play and i think that's been the big advantage in world of warcraft like before things scaled before you had like chromie time and you picked an expansion to level through like you would just zoom zoom through you would never see a single story to completion you would constantly jump from like continent to continent expansion to expansion try and keep up with yourself and um in in um shadowlands you know every zone is kind of it scales to you and it lets you say "Ugh, i don't i don't feel like doing bastion again i'm gonna go do i'm gonna do quests over here instead i'm gonna hang out in rivendreth this time um so it, it offers up more choices, and it means there isn't a static experience that everyone is stuck in. And I, but I mean, you make a good point. You can't go back and always crush things. But if you go back a certain level, a certain amount of levels, you do have a, a pretty big power jump. Like, if I go back to Battle for Azeroth content, it's like nothing, nothing's touching me until I run into a raid. For that matter, I mean, raid-geared people can basically go do their, their, their world quests in the scaling zone content and destroy it. Like it doesn't scale up past a certain point. Uh, you guys are geared enough now that you can probably walk through uh, doing dailies in any of the original four zones. It, it just isn't challenging oh, yeah. as much anymore. Mm, uh, yeah. So, so there is still, there is still the ability to outpower it. You just don't outpower it purely by leveling. You have to actually outgear it. Which, in a way, actually makes your growth and power feel more organic because it's not based on, you know, there's that whole idea like levels are a thing that were introduced into role playing games to make that, you know, to make there be like a tangible reward for playing. But in terms of like your character, it doesn't make sense that, you know, because you went to Revendreth and killed high level dead rats, that you're suddenly more powerful against a giant dragon. So. It's it's a game thing. It's not a it's not a rule. It's not a, like you know world thing. So in a way, it, it actually, in my opinion, it works out. Uh, Joe, 
Yeah, so it's it's a system that is both great and at odds with itself because it is a game system thing, as Matt's pointed out. Um, it's also one of those things where narratively it doesn't necessarily make sense, but I will point out that I think Shadowlands did a good job at trying to balance that. They tried to give you an experience where you had a cohesive leveling experience um, where you progressed through and it didn't really matter the, the power level because it still scaled with you, but you just progressed along the storyline. Um, you know, and then if you wanted to go back to older content, by the time you were getting uh, daily gear, raid gear, uh, dungeon gear and stuff like that, you could go back to previous expansions and still feel powerful. You just maybe not necessarily could do that with everything if you went back for the dailies in those zones previously. Um, and I think it, I think it works personally. I actually really like it. I thought I was going to hate it at first, right? Like I wasn't firmly when they announced what they were going to do with the, the scaling for everything. I was firmly in camp. This is going to ruin my experience. And then it turns out I was wrong. Uh, it actually kind of enhanced my experience. It was really cool to go back and, you know, maybe have to pay attention a little bit. Uh, not necessarily completely because I was still over geared for the content, but still it was, it, it's not, it's not like you go back there and you're instantaneously going to get killed, but you're also not walking over everything where it's inconsequential. I also like the idea of leveraging the phasing technology to eliminate things like griefing back in the olden days. And I'm going to go ahead and get my Walker out here. Uh, <laughs> getting people into a raid in black rock mountain was a chore. And it was a chore because inevitably a PVP battle would break out from people that were ridiculously overgeared with PVP gear or ridiculously overgeared with like top tier raid stuff. And it would be hours long battles. And some of that was fun, but also sometimes you just weren't in the mood for it. And if you were a healer and you heal somebody who flagged themselves to go murder somebody, you were flagged too. Yep. And then. Then the, the other faction is going to mind control you and throw you into the volcano, which happened multiple times. Let me tell you. Oh yeah. It's, but it, it's that, it's that idea like phasing sort of eliminates that griefing too. Like we also used to have people that would go to older zones and kill key NPCs to stop people from being able to level because a key NPC, you couldn't progress any further and get any more quests until you were finished with that quest. But if that NPC was dead, Sorry, you got to wait for that person to get tired and stop killing that NPC. Um, phasing takes care of that. And now everybody having that sort of similar leveling experience where you can go back to those zones and it matches you works out, I think, for a little bit better in that regard, because now you don't have to worry about the griefing about. So my opinion. No, oh, I think these are all fair points. Uh, however, that means that we're done with this question. Now, Joe, you must ask a question. Absolutely. Hello, Blizzard Watch team. Having just seen the announcement about the jump coming in Dragonflight, it made me wonder about retiring characters. From an RP perspective, our characters have been aging along with the world, and they've been through a lot. Would you find the option to permanently retire a character interesting? This would mean never playing that character again as they ha hang up their sword or spell focus in on helping in other ways. In exchange, I could see Blizzard offering the option to have retired characters become a part of the background in selected areas, like Stormwind or Orgrimmar. Perhaps on retirement, you choose the character's final title, transmog, and location in which they roam. With phasing, I'm sure you could switch characters in and out at will. Does this appeal to any of you? This is from Bitterleaf, a high mountain, high mountain druid on Trollbane. I mean, I didn't get the story stuff you're talking about. Like, the, the, the game doesn't care that I did it, but I retired my Draenei. Um, the Draenei had been playing as my main for since... Uh, I would say since Wrath, um, I had a human that I was playing up to that point, but then I switched permanently to the Draenei after I'd race changed him to Night Elf for a little bit because the whole thing. I played that guy from like Wrath, Cataclysm, Mists of Pandaria, and then in Warlords of Draenor, I took my Draenei to Draenor, and I was like, why am I leaving again? Like At the end of it, I'm like, why would I go back to where all my people are dead and everything is bad when I can stay here with my, you know, most of my people are still alive and I can help them. I, I don't, I don't see the attraction. So I switched to a night elf and played that character up until now. I left him there in, in the garrison. That's where he's been since he, he hasn't gone anywhere. He doesn't go anywhere. Um, I guess in the game's lore, he's dead now. 
because I guess they blew the planet up. But that's 30 years in the future from when I left him there. So who knows? But that's what I did. I, I, I straight up retired him. I, I felt like, yeah, no, this is a really good stopping point for this guy. Um, so I don't, I, I don't hate this idea. I don't know how likely it is, but I don't hate it. I think it's interesting. I'll let I feel go. like this is. I feel like this is an idea that would mesh really well with player housing. You know, you have your <laughs> home. Some hey, I, yeah, of course I'm going to come back to this. Any excuse I have to talk about player housing, I'm going to talk about player I, housing. I, I totally approve. <laughs> I mean, and and anytime I don't have an excuse to talk about player housing, I'm going to try to talk about transmog. So. It, this is something that would really work with player housing because you could say if you had something a little bit like your garrison, you know, you have kind of a little instanced area that is your home in some place or another, you could fill it with your alts who are just, maybe this one's retired. Maybe this one is just taking a break today while you play another one. Uh, you could, you know, maybe your alts are farming. Maybe they've opened like a noodle restaurant. I don't know, but with player housing, you could do cool things like that and make up interesting stories for yourself. I don't feel like Blizzard is likely to do something like this, but I think it's a really cool idea. There was a breakfast topic we had like a, a week or two ago um, about what do you think your character is doing in the time skip? Like, what, what are they up to? And, um... You know, actually, actually, a lot of people seem to respond to that and with like taking a really long nap, which I <laughs> I understand. I, think I, we all, I feel that spiritually. We all feel that. But there were a lot of people, too, that were like, yeah, I'm going to open a little restaurant. I'm going to have a farm. And this is what it, and it was really interesting to see everyone just sort of thinking, what are you doing during this three year period when we aren't battling dragons and fighting off? undead or i don't even know what to term the things we're fighting in shadowlands things um i think it's an interesting idea i don't think it's going to happen but it's fun to think about there's been a lot of mmos that have tried the idea of a lineage where your character could retire and sort of you make a new character that would carry on the family line or, or whatever the surname was uh, or you could create a new character altogether. And they were wildly popular for what they were in that regard, at least as far as features go. And I think, I think it's... That's something Wildermyth does too. It is. Wildermyth, Wildermyth does that actually as well. Um, and there are certain games that... Uh, I forgot what the Crowfall, I think, did it as well. Um, there's been some recent ones that have done it uh, that people responded very well to. I think there is something to it. Uh, as far as getting the game standpoint from a technical perspective, I think that could be a nightmare just because the game is so many layers deep at this point um, that I'm not sure having every character who would possibly retire or retire the character. Now, don't forget, like, if you're like me and Matt, you have 50 of a class just kind of <laughs> out there, right? Uh, if I decide to retire one shaman, uh, you know, and I get to choose where it goes and I decide to retire another shaman or another shaman and another shaman. How many do I get to do that before they tell me no? And then extrapolate that across all players. Right. Um, it's a really cool idea. And I think it's, a, it's got some merit, but I think ultimately it winds up up to us to kind of decide. So for like a long time, I used to keep a RP journal for my main character uh, where you know, downtime between raids, downtime between dungeons or offensives or content updates, I would actually go into like what my character was doing and sort of have a better idea, which is one of the reasons why my character loader is so like personal to me. Uh, and so like if the time comes where I do retire him for good, I personally don't need anything in game for that because I already have what my story is going to be. Right. I already know what the story is and I'm pretty content with that. So, but it's a really good idea. I really like it. And I, I, I wish more games would explore that as a concept. That's it. That's what I got. I'm hitting the wrong button. Okay. I'm going to skip these two <laughs> questions because they're both addressed to my cat. And unfortunately my cat is not here right now. She's sleeping. So I, I can't, you know, I can't I wake mean, her up. I'm not going to wake my cat up to answer these questions. She don't like it. She didn't like me. I mean, we, 
they are questions about healing, and we do have some healers here. We could try to answer in Puck's place. You, you sure? Because I was going to go do the Tetsemi one. I don't know if you guys thought that would be interesting. There's another Tetsemi one down there. Would you rather do the... You, okay, we're going to do them. Uh, the first one is from Yanati slash Kel. And Dear Puck, what, which mods do you recommend Meowadays for a fellow <laughs> feline would like to try their paw at healing? So, uh, okay, Liz. Um, I mean, my go-to, the thing that has helped me more than anything else in healing has been weak auras. And I don't go out and grab, you know, those big packages that totally change your Yui. What I've always done is make weak auras that basically, you know, I, I have a good idea of what my character, what my character is supposed to do. I have a good idea of how to play the class, but sometimes I'm an idiot. And I forget, you know, I'll be at my keyboard. Ah, this is going on. That's going on. Gotta run out of the fire. Oh no, the tank is dying. And you know, I'll forget things that I should be hitting. And I use weak auras to be like, hey, there's this thing you should be hitting on cooldown. And it pops up on my screen and reminds me to hit the things that I should be hitting. And I've kind of just built a system of like reminders based on the things I forget to try and to try and help me do better healing. And I think that's been the biggest thing for healing is just because getting, well, with any class rotation is important and getting your right skills and cooldowns at the same time. But that's been, it's such a difference between having that and like playing on the alpha and not having that because it's like, oh no, I have to keep all of this in my head all the time. All right, cool. Um, actually, yeah, weak ours is a good suggestion. I. Yeah. Surprised I didn't think of that. Joe, you got any answer for this one? I have three that I really go to as far as like my current healing setup. And I think one of them you're actually not going to need in Dragonflight, which is really, really neat. Um, so the first one, I use grid as my unit frames, but any unit frames is is good. While the unit frames uh, that Blizzard has put up in the UI has definitely improved over the years, I like having a greater degree of control so I can actually go through, have it laid out exactly as I want it to, have the groups displayed the way I want it to. Uh, you can actually tell to do things like divide out who's designated as tanks and uh, into their own separate groups. There's lots of really neat things that you can do with it, uh, and as well as being able to click on it to target people or combine it with click-through macros uh, or other things that allow you to heal through that interface. But it's just a much, to me, a much cleaner thing and I've actually been using it since I think I started using mods and it became available. It's been a long while, uh, but a good set of unit frames that you can move where you want, size how you want, and get it to where you want it to work. That's that's number one. Number two is, it, this is the one that I think is not gonna go, I don't think you're gonna need it anymore, but it's move anything. Uh, so there's problem with the interface is, as you start adding bars and as a healer, you're going to have a lot of buttons that you need to push, uh, whether it's cooldowns or, or heals or whatever, those bars can get out of hand. Being able to move them where you need them to, uh, getting, being able to eliminate pieces of the UI that you don't need or move uh, the, the uh, mini map to where you want it to be out of the way or things like that to have a very clean interface and a good, clean view of what's going on around you is pretty big. Going back to something we talked about earlier, where Matt was talking about uh, in the pre-show, actually, and you should go listen to it, uh, where raid leading is hard when your your face is kind of up in the middle of the boss, right? And so as a healer, you're not necessarily going to be right up inside of the boss's hitbox. You're probably going to be able to further back, so the more things you can eliminate from your field of view, the better. And the third one, even though it's gotten much better in the alpha, but I will in Dragonflight, but I will continue to use until I don't have to anymore, uh, is bartender. And that is simply because I need me personally, the ability to rescale buttons. There are some things that uh, need to be bigger than others. There are some things that need to be smaller than others. There's some things that I want to hide when I don't need them and then have them pop up in combat. Uh, and it's just insanely useful that we have that modularity. And there's a fourth one that I just remembered quartz, uh, which I use for tracking cooldowns as well as cast times. So those are the, those are the ones that I've been using for, Almost two decades. Okay. Uh, Aravalis asked, oh no, not Aravalis, just Arver, Aravis. Sorry, two eyes. Two eyes confuses me. I'm, I'm terrible when I go out in public because there's so many people with two <laughs> eyes. Um, Puck, 
What is your favorite fight to heal? Your least favorite. I can actually answer this for Puck, but I want to hear your answers too. <laughs> Puck's favorite fight to heal was Curator. She loved healing that fight. She would sit on my keyboard and she would hit Chain Heal and uh, Earth Shield just constantly. Obviously, the game has changed since, but that would have been her absolute favorite game, favorite fight to heal. Her least favorite was the Lurker Below. She got scared. She didn't like that thing spinning around. Did not like him. So yeah, that's her favorite and least favorite. She hasn't played since BCC. I mean, since BC. (laughs) She just hasn't. Uh, The reason she hasn't played since BC is because I got my own office. So I can close the door and keep her out. And I understand that it's very cute when she comes in and takes over my keyboard. But it is very frustrating as well. So that's why she retired from World of Warcraft. Uh, But now, Joe and Liz, you guys can answer this question. Go ahead, Liz. Wow, it's just such a big question is the problem. Um, you know, out of the the recent fights, actually, uh, Kael'thas is a really interesting fight mm-hmm. for healer because mm-hmm. it is it is one of those healing fights. Uh, occasionally, Blizzard goes in and throws out a fight that is really built around healing, and uh, sometimes it works better than others. Uh, this one's kind of. Mm, I, it's it's interesting because you go in and it's it's a different fight because you have to heal up Kael'thas through phases throughout the fight and at the same time the group is killing ads that spawn and then Kael'thas will jump out and try to murder you all and then you have to heal him up again it, like you go back and forth between healing him and trying to kill him so hmm yeah that's a little that's that's a little uh, counterintuitive there but it's 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 an interesting exercise because instead of sitting out in melee and smacking things to generate holy power and, you know, using my uh, Late of Dawn most of the time to keep the melee healed, just repeat, 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 hit things, Light of Dawn, hit things, Light of Dawn. Uh, I'm standing over by Kael'thas and, uh, I mean, for me, I put a beacon of light on him and then I cast Holy Light and, which is... That's interesting because it's a strategy that you you never do in a raid because you aren't standing still. You're in the middle of stuff all the time. So it's interesting to have a fight where you do something different and do something that's really focused on, hey, you're a healer. Heal stuff. Woohoo. That's that's the one that stands out for me in recent fights. Yeah, I'm in the same camp. Like um, recent fights, definitely Kalfoss is up there. It's one of my favorite fights to heal because honestly we're doing something a little bit different but it's something that harkens all the way back to you know there's some og fights like um uh caligos uh in sunwell or uh when we're talking about um ice crown citadel earlier the uh what is it uh valithria dreamwalker like the was the pentultimate healer fight at that point um or the sulong in uh the temple event or the uh, terrace of endless spring where there was an achievement for keeping a plant alive. <laughs> so <laughs> it relied on the healers doing that. Um, I like those fights. I like those fights where there's a little bit extra thrown in and sometimes it can be a little bit chaotic, but I like something where I'm not just watching a bar go green uh, or waiting for damage to hit uh, when I'm actively participating and feel like I'm contributing to the encounter beyond just keeping my party alive those are encounters that are just super fun uh, as far as healing goes. Um, and then my OG favorite one uh, was Chimeron because I did that fight in all blues and I still think I have a world parse on that one just because it was dumb. I love that fight. I love that fight so much. <laughs> Alrighty. I guess that pretty much that's it for time. And we've answered a fair amount of questions this time. So cool. Uh, my cat Woo-hoo! will be pleased to know that we've gotten to her question. Uh, thank so you yeah. puck thank you for letting us answer your questions um but this has been you know oh right no i keep forgetting that i have to throw it to joe <laughs> i managed to stop myself before i started doing it joe you're up uh, blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. 
Thank you very much, Joe. Um, again, if you've got a question for the show, you can go to our Discord server. You can, there's the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel or the podcast Q and Podcast Questions channel that's non-patron. Uh, you can ask them there, or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Well, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, on behalf of myself, Joe, and Liz, thank you guys so much for being here, and we're going to be back next week. Thank you.